In today's episode, I speak with Allison Tedford, who is a content marketer and freelance writer. She has been published in a ton of places, including Al Jazeera, CBC, Scary Mommy, Asparagus Magazine, and West Coast Families. She is incredible and a real joy to speak to. But the fascinating thing about Allison is that she actually has a connective tissue disorder and she lives with chronic pain pretty much for her entire life. It is incredible what she has been able to overcome and how she has adapted things in her life to her condition and how she basically has to survive. Things as simple as going to the grocery store are not a simple feat for Allison. And she shares how she has managed to make her life work in the face of these challenges. We also talk about how she transitioned from years in government work into an entrepreneurial life and uh, how that works with her condition as well. So it really is incredible. She brings such humor to life and she is just a real joy to speak to. And I know you're just going to love this episode. to the Around the Campfire podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child, but I believe it also takes a village to raise a mom. I'm your host, Jillian Benke, the founder of Mom Camp, and each episode I chat with busy moms who are doing awesome things in life and work. Join us for real conversation and community, because this is your village. This is the Around the Campfire podcast. All right, Allison, welcome. I am so glad you're here at Around the Campfire. Thanks so much for having me, Jillian. Can you introduce yourself a little bit? Tell our listeners who you are, about your family, all of that. Um, thanks. Um, I am a writer. I'm based in Abbotsford, BC. I have a 12-year-old son who is a lacrosse player, and I spend most of my time creating content for clients, and writing personal essays for publications. Awesome. Awesome. Now, I know a little bit about you because we've been in contact over social media for, I think, a number of years now, actually, whether it's been me following you or just connecting. Um, You have a physical struggle. You have a connective tissue disorder, correct? Yes. Yeah. Now, can you explain a little bit about what that means? Sure. Um, it's uh, it's called joint hypermobility disorder or Ehlers-Danlos 3 uh, is another name that is used for it. Uh, basically, my body has the wrong recipe for collagen. So oh. and that's in like everything. It's in your organs. It's in your skin. It's in your hair. It's in your joints. Yeah. This is where it's most noticeable. Um, it's kind of like being built from Ikea furniture that somebody who is intoxicated put together. So oh, it doesn't no. fit together very well. Or you could imagine like if you were Mrs. Potato Head, how would your day look? That's what my life is like. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's, it can be a challenge for sure. Um, but I mean, it, it's a, been a lifelong condition and I didn't know it wasn't normal until a couple of years ago. And you live with chronic pain as a result. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the dislocations themselves are painful, but also um, there's musculoskeletal pain. So like I have like specific pain when specific things happen, but I have like all the time pain for everything else. So 
Wow. And it's for your collagen. I mean, does it, ha- does it affect your skin? I'm just, I'm fascinated by this. I'm unfamiliar it, with it. My skin is really, really soft, like obscenely oh. soft <laughs> and it's very fragile. So if I like scratch, I actually have considered getting like those newborn mitts because if I have an oh. itchy chest in my sleep, I'll scratch it and I'll wake up like I've been attacked by cats or something so yeah so it breaks it doesn't heal very well if I had to have surgery I'd need to be sutured differently and more um so yeah everything is very delicate wow wow and okay that's sorry that's fascinating I I can't imagine all of the things you've had to manage throughout your life to figure out how to you know live with this um that's uh, kudos to you. I just have to say, I mean, it's really inspiring that you are so positive and that you share so openly about your condition. I mean, you hear the term chronic pain a lot, um, but not a lot of people really understand what that means or um, how it could truly affect somebody, right? Yeah. So what does a good day look for you, look like for you when you're living with chronic pain? I mean, a good day is like when when pain levels aren't distracting, I have a pretty high threshold and can kind of power through things. It still affects my energy level sometimes. Mm. Um, so that isn't something that I always know how that's going to go, how much energy I'm going to have on a given day. But yeah, so basically um, every day is very different and it's always very surprising how much bandwidth <laughs> I'm going to have. And, you know, on a good day, uh, you know, I live just like anybody else and just a little bit more slowly and carefully, (laughs) but, you know, more difficult days need a lot more kind of planning and um, accommodating and um, flexibility. Yeah, for sure. Do you find that there's um, something that triggers a good day or a bad day? Um, Seasonality can be a real factor. Um, Mm. Like in the winter time is a higher risk of slip and fall. So oh, of course. That's something that I have to think about. Um, in the summer, um, when you have joints that are loose and then you heat them up, they're looser. So oh. summer means more dislocations. Summer means my muscles work harder to compensate for my wimpy joints. So they get really tired and they're working really hard in the heat. So. Right exhaustion sets in my bandwidth from like May to September is a lot lower than October to May basically. Now you used to have an office job you worked for the government correct? Yes yeah I was there from when I was about 18 until when I was 33 so so that must have been challenging managing um, the unknowns of how you would feel each day with having to go to an office every day right? Yeah, definitely working from home has been a lot more helpful for that. I didn't know that there was anything wrong with me. I thought this was just how people lived. I didn't realize it was that I had anything different. I just found that in the last probably two years of working outside the home, um, my pain was a lot more unmanageable. And the other factor is that this condition can affect how much adrenaline your body produces. So that's something that can either be exhaustion or like hyperstimulation. So oh, wow. in an open office, like it's like having like a, like when you try to put a baby down in a crib and that startle reflex, like having yeah. that startle thing, like freaking all day long and just oh my gosh, rolling panic attacks because I just had way too much input. 
So really a challenge. And it was a challenge because I didn't know why this was. And I was really kind of hard on myself and like, pull it together, like figure it out. Because I didn't know, like there wasn't anybody who who told me this was a, a problem. I had been diagnosed with all sorts of things that kind of fall under the umbrella of a connective tissue disorder, but nobody had connected the dots. So I felt like it just was something that I wasn't doing right. And oh, man. It, that it was, I just wasn't um, able to hold it together. And that was really frustrating. Um, no, when did you realize that not everybody lives this way? Um, mostly I just got to a point where my pain was, was unmanageable. Okay. And I also had a lot of fear cause like I had put on quite a bit of weight from, um, being in a lot of pain that I wasn't able to do. And this was, this is the progressive nature of the condition. I used to be like a cardio bunny who would do like two or three aerobics classes in a row. And oh, I wow. wasn't able to do that anymore. So I started gaining weight and I was really worried that if I went to the doctor and said this was a problem that they would just tell me I was fat. And so I was nervous about doing that, but finally I I couldn't just cope with it anymore. And I sucked it up and I went to the doctor and I mean, it's not that my doctor had ever said anything negative about my body or my weight previously, but I was just nervous because I've heard that's something that happens to some people. Of course. Yeah. um, So when I came to my doctor and I was like, this is what my life is like, you know, it might be weight related. It might be that losing weight will help this, but there might also be something else going on. Like I might be fat and something might be wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> can we look at this and they were really good. They referred me to a rheumatologist. Good. And within about, it took four months to get in and I had a diagnosis like in my appointment. So oh, wow, that was helpful. He, you know, there's a lot of really obvious signs of the condition. So he could observe and from looking at my blood work and everything to be like, this is what's going on. But right. I mean, it's something that's really hard to diagnose too, because when it's a lifelong condition, like when I looked at the checklist of like, do you struggle with this or do you struggle with that? It's like, no, I don't struggle with those things. I've learned how not to do those things. Of course. Or you can cope and manage them. Yeah. Or yeah. I'll, I'll get somebody else to do that. Or, you know, like I don't have a problem lifting a jug of milk. I buy it in smaller formats because I know I can't, you know, right. I don't struggle with buttons. I don't buy things with buttons. I know that doesn't, isn't going to go well. So Oh, wow. So so I've learned how to adapt to all these things that I've been accommodating my whole life. I just didn't know why I was doing it. Right. And when you were going back to the fact that you were a cardio bunny, (laughs) um, did you have pain at that time and you were just pushing through or had Um, it been progressive? I mean, it had definitely been progressive. It's hard to know, like, when you're really used to pain. One of the challenges is that I don't, because I'm in pain all the time, it doesn't always register in a way that I would expect. Um, like I have a cat that likes to like give me belly rubs. That's the weirdest thing. But <laughs> he'll be needing my belly and he'll have claws and I won't even feel that he's actually cut my belly oh. because I'm used to being in pain and I'm used to tuning it out. Right. So I, my body can't really tell the difference between like all the time pain noise and like emergent pain is happening right now. Wow. The body is truly fascinating that you can adapt in that way and just not even notice. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. All right. So how does it work when you're managing your business now, working for yourself, working from home and also managing the chronic pain? Um, I've had to learn how to use technology differently to support what I want to do. Um, 
And because it's progressive, you know, things have been changing in that way. So I've had to look for new solutions over the past few years. You know, something that worked three years ago isn't going to necessarily work as well for me now. So just always being open to new technology, new ways of doing things. And I mean, that's the other way that having a diagnosis has been so helpful is because I've been able to learn how other people deal with it. Because when you have this like unknown random problem it's hard to find a solution because you you don't know how to find people like you. Right. So having community around and who have dealt with this, so I can be like, hey, how do you deal with this thing that's super annoying? And they'll be like, oh, this is what I do. And have you found that through social media primarily or? Um, yeah, it's been really amazing um, through, you know, even hashtags on Twitter. Right. But also um, through referrals from other Facebook friends um, and just in networking and business, I've found other people who have had the same condition. And so it's been really great to have kind of a, a board of directors for my condition. Yeah. Totally, totally. That must be super helpful. I mean, it's, let's talk a little bit about that village, because I, I often say, well, it takes a village to raise a child, it also takes a village to raise a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so your village must be so important to you. I mean, how, how do you maintain that village? Is it primarily online? Or do you also have sort of an in person network? Um, I do have some people that I network with in person. A lot of it is online because my bandwidth is just so very, of course. Right. So I find that is the most like physically comfortable way. Um, but I do have people that I, I do spend time with in person when I have the bandwidth to do so. So yeah, it's been really, really helpful to have people who understand and have been there and know what it's like because it can be really isolating it's like um it's considered to be a rare condition um there we're referred to as zebras you know when you uh-huh. hear hoof beats don't think horses think zebras right <laughs> so yeah so it's it can be a little bit isolating to not have someone down the hall who understands right and your son having grown up with you experiencing this how does he support you Um, he just, he's really independent. Thankfully, as an only child, he has learned to play by himself and to keep himself entertained. And he has chores to do things that maybe I can't do, but he could. So that helps alleviate things. Um, but he's just really a genuinely warm and empathetic child. So that's been amazing because he's, He's just very understanding. I mean, he jokes about it a lot. He told, <laughs> he told people that he has a stay in bed mom, not a stay at home mom, a stay in bed mom. Aww. <laughs> like, thanks, bud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. And he plays lacrosse. Is he sort of, is he at a competitive level or is he? Um, he's, I mean, the because of where we live, um, we don't have a huge team so we have people who are like brand new to like elite players who are on travel teams so it's a pretty mixed bag abilities wise but they have a really um great coaching group who work with kids at various levels so that's awesome really helpful he's just started a couple years ago but he really loves it and he plays it year round so wow that's well i guess yeah if you're living on the west coast we can right so that's great. Or does he play indoors? He plays indoors in the okay. spring. Yeah. Indoors is like February to July. Right. Okay. And then outdoors is like 
September to February, basically. Wow. Even that brings some, you know, cold weather, especially out in the valley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't, we can't play when it's snowing or too wet or because they don't want to damage the fields. So, Of course. Of course. All right. I want to transition a little bit. And I use that word somewhat intentionally because I wanted to talk about how it was transitioning from um, not exactly corporate, but government and in an office into building your own business and setting your own objectives, schedules, all of those things. How did that, how did you navigate that transition? Um, Well, I started working in my business really the June of 2016 and um, I left in November. So I had four months where I was working full time and also in my business. So scheduling mm-hmm. and organization was really important in order to make sure that I got things done and was at work when I needed to be at work. Um, so I already had kind of that experience of, of managing my time within my business and trying to make things fit. Um, I think one of the most surprising things was I thought like, oh, I'm going to run my own business. I'm going to be so fit. My relationships are going to be so fulfilling. <laughs> And it turns out that just because you have the time to do it, like it doesn't mean it's going to happen. You have to like actually make it happen and schedule it and leave time for it because it can happen at any time. It still takes time. (laughs) So it's a very good point. One of my biggest lessons was that like, it's really easy to get all in and uh, miss important pieces and then have to rebalance things. Um, that was, that was definitely one of my major challenges and also learning what kind of policies and procedures I have to have in place to create the balance that I need and what kind Mm. of boundaries I have to put in, what kinds of service level agreements I have to develop. And that's something that's evolved over time to make sure that I have the time I need for rest, for recovery, for family, for social, for, for all of the things and, and for promotion too. Well, that's true. It's sort of the administrative side, including the marketing and promotion of your own business. Yeah, for sure. So but, uh, it was definitely a learning experience. I'm not somebody who like went to business school or had a marketing degree. It's just something that I learned how to do by doing so. Right, um, right. Ditto. I, I <laughs> the same way. a family of entrepreneurs or anything. So it's not something I grew up with or, or really understood very well. I just knew I wanted to do something cool. So in that time where you were doing both, were you sort of saving up and getting sort of building that runway towards going out on your own? Or was the time that you actually took the leap, was it truly a leap and you you weren't sort of financially ready to transition? Or, you know, how did that work? Um, well, before I left, I built my business to the point where it was bringing in more than my day job was. Amazing. Amazing. So that was helpful. And then also, um, I took some steps to, um, with my pension that I had been buying into, uh, okay. I ported it out into a locked in RRSP, but there was a portion that was available to me. So I had a safety net there as well. That right. said, um, I left at a time where the Canadian government payroll system was in crisis. <laughs> no <So> kidding. <laughs> the money that was supposed to arrive within a month took like eight to nine months to arrive. Yeah. So my safety net was very delayed. <laughs> right. It was, um, I mean, it wasn't 
a massive problem, but it was definitely stressful and inconvenient to be running a business and also weekly follow up with your former employer to figure out where your money is. Yeah. So you left, left. You didn't just take a leave. Um, I, you... I took a three month leave to try it out in case. Oh, I okay. It. Um, but I loved it. <laughs> so... <Yeah. laughs> awesome. I kind of expected that would happen, but, um, yeah, no, it, it was, um, it was a more, it was a different experience than I expected, but I really enjoyed it. And I was really happy to have made the switch for sure. What is the biggest lesson you learned in that process? Um, I really learned to value myself more. Mm. Um, I came into it without a lot of confidence. I was worried that either not having a marketing degree would hold me back. I didn't understand how transferable the skills from my past career were. And mm. it turned out they were very transferable and very helpful. And the more I was in my business, the more I realized how much experience I had in doing what I did, but just kind of under a different umbrella. So it changed the way I talk about what I do and, and what I've done and, and how I know how to do what I do. So I That's really great. did learn to appreciate my own experience and the value that I bring to the table. That's huge. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I'm really kind of a shy person so it's been a real stretching exercise to force myself to be visible and to show up and and not just be like a, the best kept secret right exactly just by word of mouth but actually oh I've heard of you right yeah. <laughs> it's the difference yeah for sure exactly all right. So I ask this question of all my guests, but I'm really curious um, about your answer, given that you live with chronic pain and that you are a work from home mom who's trying to make your own schedule and all of those things. What does self-care look like to you? For me, like because of the nature of my condition, there isn't like anything you can take to cure it or, right, and you know, you can manage the pain, but otherwise all you have, your only medicine available to you is self-care. Like that's it. So I've had to learn that sleep is something that helps me heal. So I need to have quality sleep. I found out I had sleep apnea recently. So oh wow, that's been a huge game changer too. Cause I realized that, you know, yeah, as much sleep as I was getting, I still wasn't feeling rested and it was still taking forever to heal. And that's because it, my sleep quality was poor. Right. So learning how to do that um, and also, you know, self-care has been about setting my my home up and my life up and to accommodate myself so that I don't have to take risks that are unnecessary and so that I can give myself some ease. Um, so that has been a piece of it as well, um, just making sure that I don't have to work as hard as I as I do just to function within my own space. You know, I, lo I love that answer. I think it's probably the purest answer I've ever heard in response to that question, because you are truly taking care of yourself. It's not about a bubble bath. It's not about going to get a massage. It's caring for yourself and establishing your lifestyle to do just that. So that's 
that's really fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. No worries. Well, for me, the reality is like getting a, having a manicure, pedicure, I have to trust that somebody is going to paint my nails and is not going to dislocate my fingers and toes in the process. Well, no kidding. Yeah. And, um, you know, a bubble bath is logistically challenging, getting in and out of the tub, (laughs) balancing, not dislocating my toes, trying to balance myself in the shower or tub. It's like, wow, it's like, wow, traditional things that you see as self care are actually kind of stressful. Yeah. So, so so things can dislocate that easily. Hey, yeah. Typing, um, my toes pop out of joint if I'm like trying to grip on the shower or getting up and down out of stadium seats at an arena. Oh my gosh. You know, walking around the grocery store. It's like, it's really, things can just pop out. So do you, oh my God, that's, that's incredible. So typing does it. So do you do a lot of sort of dictation um, writing or how do you, I mean, your job is as a writer. So how do you manage that? Yeah, I dictate um, a lot. Uh, I used to actually up until January offered transcription services too. Oh, wow. um, But I dislocated my pinky over the Christmas break. And I realized just how hard it is to heal from those kinds of dislocations and how it doesn't position me well to do the other things that I do because I'm busy doing something that's, you know, reasonably foreseeable that if you spend a lot of time typing, stuff is going to pop out in my condition. So I had to be real with myself and be like, as much as you love doing these things, as much as you don't want to say no to people, as much as you love these people, they love you too. And they don't want you to Mm -hmm. hurt yourself. So. Oh, of course not. Oh my God. Now, so when some people dislocate something, it can get popped back in and just be a little sore. Is yours easy to, I mean, I'm saying words I don't really fully understand, but is yours easy just to pop back in or does it take more time? Lots of times it pops back in itself, um, like pretty immediately. Um, I did have a situation with a jaw that popped out that was really, really, and I had to reposition it, which is not cool. No. But um, yeah, usually my stuff pops back out. The problem is, is that when you just like even they call it a subluxation, it's like not a full dislocation. It's like when it pops in and out again. Okay. Um, that creates micro tears in the tissue around the oh. brain. And then those have to heal. But if you are always re-tearing it every single day. And your then, collagen isn't functioning the way everybody else's does. Yeah. yeah then it's, you know, and then it, your body swells where it's trying to heal. So then you oh. heal around the joints and that creates pressure on them and then they pop out again. <laughs> so it's kind of like a <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's exhausting. I am always no kidding. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh my gosh. So it's, uh, it's definitely been an experience for sure. And you have to have a pretty good sense of humor about it because. Well, and you definitely do. I mean, just even following you online, I know you do. Um, and I think it's just, it's so awesome that you have built such a positive life in the face of what could be or is a very challenging situation. That's it's truly incredible. I just want to acknowledge you for that. Thank you. Yeah, no, I believe that you can you don't have to pick, laugh or cry. You can do both multitasking. (laughs) It's true. And (laughs) I'm just trying to lean into the laugh more because the cry is really easy and the laugh is the creative bit. No kidding. No kidding. Oh my gosh. Uh, So as you are getting more visibility, putting yourself out there more, uh, not just being the best kept secret, what is something you want people to know? What is a message that you're wanting to share with people? I mean, I think I want people to know that they're not alone. And part of the reason why I'm really open about the sucky parts of things is that I don't want to be out there and open about what I'm 
what I live with without acknowledging that there's some really, there's a lot of unpleasantness that comes with it. And I wouldn't want anyone to think that it's, that I make it look easy. And therefore, if they're struggling, there's something wrong with them. So I like mm. to really open and go first and be like, these are the things. So then, you know, someone can say, yeah, me too. I struggle with that. Or, you know, I've been there. So I like to make it easier to have those conversations by being really open about the challenges that come with it so that people don't feel like they're crazy because you can feel that way when you don't know what's wrong. Well, you know, it's so true. And also even just with motherhood, if people aren't talking about the hard stuff and the challenges or, you know, with anything really, people don't want to, you know, necessarily admit that they're having a hard time because they have some preconceived notion that it makes them appear a certain way. And then they feel even more alone by not talking about it. The second you voice it, somebody else will always say, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one or, oh my gosh, I have that too. And I just, that's a, a huge thing of what I'm trying to do with mom camp is help moms understand that they're not the only one feeling these things and it's going to be okay. And you know, they're not alone. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, just having somebody who will do that. And I mean, it also means that people will relate better. You know, I I don't want to put forward a face of perfection and everything's fine because nobody can relate to that. You don't want to share your struggles with somebody who is always never has a problem with anything. Right. So to create a safe space for people by being like, I'm kind of a hot mess. Don't ask me to bake (laughs) cookies. I will burn that every single time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's about leaving space for the important relationships to develop. So if somebody wanted to work with you, what are some of the services that you do provide? Um, I write blog content. I write social media content. I write newsletter content. Um, I, I actually, part of what I do is I help people name companies and products and services. Awesome. Um, and that's a lot of fun or develop taglines and something that I'm looking into doing a lot more of in 2020 is exploring storytelling and helping people be able to articulate their brand story in a way that's engaging for, you know, whether it's for investor pitches or public speaking or their about page, just being able to tell the story of who they are and what they do and why. Very cool. Very cool. So how could people connect with you if they wanted to find out more about that? Um, My company site is feelbettermarketing.com. Um, you can email me at hello at feelbettermarketing.com or um, schedule a discovery call through my website. Or you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at feelbettermarketing is the handle for both my Facebook page and my Instagram account. On Twitter, awesome. I'm Allie Spins. Allie Spins. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So final question that I ask everybody, what is the biggest lesson you have learned as a mom? I have learned about compassion and modeling self-compassion and being humble about the times where things don't go well and apologizing even to a child, I think is really important because I, you know, I can't do all the things and, you know, you can, it's about my condition sometimes, but I mean, we're all human and we all can't do all the things. Mm -hmm. So being able to model 
good boundaries and kindness to ourselves. My son is like my self-compassion coach sometimes. I remember I was sick one time and he's like, mommy, you can't pull a bunny out of a hat. (laughs) (laughs) And that's awesome. I, I try to, to exemplify that as much as possible for him too. So he doesn't put too much pressure on himself and just to just let us just to just be authentically right and being present and being connected and being real about things. I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Well, that is just about all the questions. Did you have anything else you wanted to leave our listeners with today? Um, I would just say that, that you're not alone if you're struggling with things and that everybody's just as scared and anxious and worried and unsure as you are. So don't feel bad if you're feeling that way. Um, Reaching out is always the best option when you feel like that because people, there are people who will understand. So you just got to find your brave to build your village. Perfect. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on Around the Campfire and chatting with me. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. All right, mamas, that's it for today. For more info about this episode, you can check out the show notes at momcamplife.com slash podcast. Hang out with us on Instagram at momcamplife. And if you love this episode, please share it with your friends. Thank you so much for tuning in and join us next time around the campfire.